Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Before we begin, I'd just like to say, this one didn't happen in Yishun, but warning is pretty bad nonetheless. Hi, I'm Teddy, and today on A Brief Case, we are looking at the case of Gabriel Lee Halling and Elsie Lee Lekchi. So this is a pretty recent case. It happened in 2012, which when you think about it, it's only 8 years ago. Elsie was basically a nice girl. When people describe her, they describe her as caring, kind, sweet. She was good-tempered, really trusting. Basically somebody that you would be happy to have as a friend or a family member. She was a good daughter too. Her family wasn't rich and she was the first kid to start working. She had two younger brothers. Her mom was a housewife and her dad was a carpenter, so they sound like really grounded, working-class people. Elsie gave money to her parents and she was a sweet girl at the start of her life. She was introverted, she didn't have a lot of friends, and I think like a lot of introverts, she spent a lot of time online. She ended up meeting Gabriel on a social networking site in April 2011. Gabriel was much older. He was 37 while she was 24, so he was a solid 13 years older, and he was in the midst of a divorce. He was previously married to a lawyer and he has two kids. He was also raised Catholic and he was a really devout Catholic, believing in evil spirits, believing in exorcisms and all that. Their relationship moves pretty fast. Within two months of meeting, they move in together into a shared flat on the 14th floor of block 663 Jurong West Street 65. So guys, not Yishun. They have a couple of roommates, most are guys. They live in domestic-ish bliss for about 6 months. And in December 2012, Gabriel starts to get some creepy vibes from their flat. And I'm not sure if it's because they signed a lease or something, but they don't move, which I really don't get because come on, it's a rental. So why would you stay in a haunted rental? And on top of that, he doesn't just believe that the room is haunted. Gabriel thinks that Elsie is also possessed. Like he is so convinced that she's possessed that he brings her to a church for an exorcism, which I was surprised to find still happens in Singapore today. And he made her carry around a Bible in a waist pouch, which I think was a fanny pack. And sweet Elsie, I don't know if anyone else in her life knew this, but she just went along with it. She carried her fanny pack with her Bible even at work and she told her colleagues that she was possessed. And so it does seem like she believed him when he said that she was being haunted. Apart from the whole haunted room possessed girlfriend thing going on, I can only assume that things were going pretty well more or less. In March, Gabriel and Elsie take a trip to Genting Highlands in Malaysia and on this trip, Gabriel proposes so now he's her fiancé. They come back to Singapore three days later on the 29th. During this time, it's also worth noting that even though he did propose to her, her mom doesn't approve of the relationship. I think it's really hard with the big age gap and everything and she never introduces Gabriel to her dad or her brothers. Literally, the day after they get back from Genting, some weird shit starts happening. It starts at 6pm. First, Gabriel and Elsie spend ages in the bathroom. And in a shared flat, if you do that, it is pretty noticeable because everybody else is waiting to use the bathroom. They're in there for like 3 hours until finally one of the other tenants is like, 
hey, get out, you can't hog the bathroom. And the whole time, there's groaning and there's loud voices from within the bathroom. And apparently, he was giving her a bath, but we don't really know what was happening in there. It takes them around 20 minutes. And when they do come out, Elsie is looking really pale, really sick. And Gabriel actually has to support her to go back to the bedroom. Again, we don't know what they were doing in there, but probably nothing good. They go back to their bedroom and the noises continue. The groaning, the moaning, loud shouting. One of their flatmates eventually calls the police because, I mean, this is definitely out of the ordinary. The police come at 11.15 and Gabriel actually lets them into the room. He's like, look, everything is fine. And Elsie tells them she, she was just weak from an abortion. We don't really know if that was the case, but there was nothing too obviously physically wrong with her. To the police, it was probably a little weird, but nothing too freaky. So they tell Gabriel and Elsie to chill it um, with the noise and everything, and they leave at around 11.40. They were there for pretty long, almost half an hour. As you know, they do not chill it. Between 11.44 and 6am, their flatmates continue to hear sounds of groaning, wailing, shouting. Even a helper from the flat above said she heard Gabriel shouting, Go back! Go back to the sky. We don't know exactly what happened between 11.44 and 6.40 a.m. in that room. But at 6.30, one of Gabriel and Elsie's housemates see blood on their bedroom door. And they call the police. At 6.40, a paramedic arrives. He finds Elsie. She's topless, covered in blood. And her body is on top of Gabriel, who's also naked. The paramedic... Um, this is just something else. He he doesn't feel he doesn't feel like it's safe, so he waits for the police outside the bedroom. While the police were on their way, Gabriel gouges out Elsie's eyes. We don't know why he does that, but he throws them out the window. They are eventually found at the bottom of the flat together with some hair. At 6.55, 15 minutes later, the police arrive, and this time Gabriel, he's not under Elsie anymore, he's kneeling groaning and he's chanting while he's holding a yellow object that looks like a cross. We don't know what happened, but let me set the scene. There are bent metal spoons and forks in Elsie's hair. Right next to her body, there were pruning shears, a hammer, a rotary can opener, and two pairs of scissors. She had a 12cm wound across her neck that cut into her spinal cord. It looked like he was trying to decapitate her. He also managed to hack off her right foot. And so the police, they arrested him. The case was heard in Feb 2017, about five years later. And Gabriel, it seems like Gabriel has money because he actually hired a damn good lawyer, which would have been pretty expensive. And we know that Gabriel's brother is actually a surgeon, so maybe he did have money. He pled guilty and apparently showed remorse. His lawyer said this okay. He ultimately killed a lady that he loved, which itself is punishment. Originally, he was going to be charged with murder, but during this time between his arrest and the trial, Gabriel saw a psychiatrist who diagnosed him with psychosis. He also referred to Elsie as Elsie Lucifer during his sessions with his psychiatrist. And because of this, he was charged with culpable homicide, not amounting to murder, so no death sentence for him. The public prosecutor called for a 12-year jail term, but in the end, he was given 10 years. The 10-year sentence was backdated to 1st April 2012 from when he was first remanded. 
and with good behavior, he could get one third remission on his sentence, which means that he could actually already be out right now. And it's possible that he would have only served six years and eight months for killing Elsie. After the sentencing, uh, Elsie's mom, she was really upset. She was really heartbroken. And I mean, look at everything and Elsie seems to have died horribly. Her family actually started an appeal, but it doesn't look like it came anything. And sometimes when it's so clear that he killed her, I wonder how you can look at the family and basically say that the punishment for your daughter's death is fair. And I mean, I know I couldn't. Thank you for joining us on A Brief Case and I'll see you again next Tuesday for another Brief Case. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.